when I was in the midst of processing a lot of these things myself, when I finally got to have that conversation with my parents and they're like, yeah, we tried our best. Like I was still angry. And then you wonder like, why can't I get back to the gym? You've been motivated by inferiority and now you're settling for mediocrity. When you're making changes, like recognize that if you make a deal with shame, that shit's forever. What's up, podcast? Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Uh, today, it's just me and my friend Julian. We sit in the chat. Um, he wanted to do an interview. Uh, we had a really great time. It was a very kind of overall, like a large scale kind of zoomed out thinking and a lot of the topics here. Um, so, you know, we get into, you know, parenting, uh, relationships, we get into beliefs, um, you know, just really overall personal growth. So, uh, definitely let me know how you like it. I'd love to hear from you guys. Hope you guys enjoy. Marcus. What's up, man? <laughs> how are you? I'm good, man. I'm just enjoying my evening. Yeah. Um, remind me again, where are you located? I am in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So it's is like, that on the west side or, or on the east side? It's more of it's more of the west. I it's like right above Montana. Right. Okay. So you're only like what two hours ahead? It's maybe like nine p.m. Just one, just one. So it's eight. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Not too late. So yeah, um, you know, to kind of uh, give you an intro and to kind of introduce you to, to who's possibly listening out there, um, I do this Instagram live series for, for my blog readers. And um, people who read my blog are generally interested in kind of what it takes to get started uh, in certain things. They, you know, we have all these uh, shiny objects out there and, and what we want to do to get started in and what we want to dive into. And, you know, I can only provide so much value, uh, if at all. Um, so I bring in expertises like, uh, like yourself, um, experts, subject matter experts, uh, things that your 5% expands on mine. And so uh, I have tons of questions for you. And I'm sure uh, the watchers, uh, people who will eventually read this blog have tons of questions for you as well. Um, but yeah, to, to get started, I guess, you know, give us a kind of intro um, overview on who Marcus Lynn, the realist psychologist is. Um, I mean, yeah, what a start. I mean, I besides think, a handsome dude with great hair. Oh, wow. Stop it. Smart. <laughs> um, no, man, I, I think in a lot of ways, like I, I, when you talk, when you talk about your blog, like I feel you, man, like I'm a kid who, or a kid, I'm almost 30 now. Fuck. I just, I just turned 29 days ago. <laughs> oh, dude. Happy, happy belated birthday, man. Man. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean like we all have stuff, we all have shit. Right. And so, I mean, Growing up, I, the youngest of two older brothers who, that's hmm. a bunch, whatever. So, you know, I, I had my own family upbringing, kind of like a bit hard nosed, you know, and, you know, ethnic minority in a white town. Um, there's just, you know, like certain struggles, like life wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, dying on the street by any means, but, you know, my family came from the struggle. You know, my mom had three kids when she was 19. So wow. you know, all of the statistics around, you know, teenage parenthood like you know we were we were pretty much in it wasn't again it wasn't terrible we weren't but you know we had struggles me being the youngest of two older brothers you know had had my my ass handed to me a few times i don't know <laughs> of course yes um but yeah like i don't know i think for me i always was just fascinated especially being the youngest knowing that like okay well i can't make up for in personal ability personal power to make decisions and run my own life let me watch how other people are and how they live, how they, how they interact. So I can, 
either weasel my way into something or weasel my way out of something. And so I always just like, I always, I always needed to be a watcher of people. And with that fascination, like, you know, especially as I hit high school, you know, I was like, well, you know, let me, let me really turn this on. Like, was a more popular kind of guy. So like, I understood what, um, I guess you could say like social interaction and relationships could do. And um, yeah, I've always just been fascinated with, with relationships, with people, with, with happiness. And then obviously, you know, with family struggles and just watching people who weren't happy, um, you know, what makes people happy? How do people tick? How do we make life more meaningful? Um, so that's really what I, that's my passion point. That's what I dived into. And um, it took me inside the church a bit for a little bit of time. And then it led me to my psychology degree. And now I'm on my way to hopefully be a mental health professional. I'm right now actually a, a counselor at a at a youth, uh, it's, it's like, it's almost like a group home, um, yeah. for, um, drug addicted youth. Um, my, mm. it works with exploited, exploited kids. Um, so yeah, I, I'm slowly making my way into, into the field as a professional, but like, as any expert will tell you, like you always have more to learn. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. That's super interesting. And, and that's really awesome. Uh, kind of how you're, you're, you know, working your way through, um, to kind of unpack one of the things that you were mentioning and stressing on it is being the youngest. Um, and that's something that, like, it's it's probably an unspoken thing that you and I kind of resonated with right off the bat. Uh, mm -hmm. I too am the youngest. Um, and, and it's funny because uh, me, my girlfriend, we, we've had conversations in the past, and just a, a weird pattern of, of the youngest sibling kind of always carrying this like weird awareness, like this, this, I mean, it could be social, it could just be, uh, kind of mindset curiosity um, mm -hmm. we end up like more curious about things we end up more like um, like what you said like always studying kind of older people or um, just people in general and, and I don't know do you think there's any correlation any connection any uh, importance to that uh, kind of string there of like if you're the youngest the, you know chances are you're you're looking outward you're looking upward uh, and it just happens that that human behavior ends up becoming like your kind of interest yeah, I mean, birth, birth birth order is something that's definitely studied, especially when you look at, like, developmental psychology. Um, you know, and there's, like, stereotypes. And um, like stereotypes, some of them are true, but they might not be true for the reasons that we think. And so usually when you think of, like, birth order, you think, like, oh, the oldest is the responsible one because he's taking care mm -hmm. of it. Stuff like that actually isn't true consistently. Um, I do know that when you look at the younger kids – um, like the the third, fourth, whatever sibling, they are actually more prone to I think like entrepreneurship and leadership positions. Hmm. I'm actually sure why. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like I would say like you know it's it's probably not so much of like just just the birth order alone. There's right. probably aspects behind Definitely it. something there, huh? Like I knew I had to learn and figure how people work and how they felt and what's going on because I didn't want to get my ass kicked by my brothers or whatever, you know? So yeah, there's different ways. Whereas like, you know, the, you have other families where it's like, Oh, you're the baby. So you really don't care what anybody else thinks because you know that you can get everything. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, yeah. Not where, um, you know, some, some of the stereotypes play out and then there's many, many where they definitely don't too. Yeah. I hear you. Stereotypes, storylines, identity, all mm -hmm. those will probably kind of unpack throughout this conversation. Um, but if I could, you know, kind of tackle one thing here, um, 
when it comes to like psychology, um, kind of studying one's self, right? Um, most believe that, you know, seeing a, a therapist or talking to a psychologist is, is for is for crazy people or, or people who are just depressed, right? Which is totally wrong. Um, what are like other ways besides therapy uh, that one can dive into their own psychology? Um, so like when you're looking at, you know, people who don't want to go see a therapist, whatever, whatever, there's stigma, right? So of course, yeah. I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. But if you don't want to see a therapist, I mean, the main thing behind figuring out your own psychology is just curiosity, honestly. It's yeah. just getting to the point where you're curious about yourself and the world around you and diving into, like, you know, being able to catch and be aware of the nuances of yourself that you find. And so, like, you know, most people will get curious when they feel pain, like mm -hmm. when the situation they don't feel like they have options and you know they're, they're stuck up against the wall then they get curious right then it's like yeah. it's no longer you know people usually make, might shift from like a why you know why me why why mm -hmm. is ever to like a how can i get out of this because your brain's like stuck in you know i need to get out of this and it's no longer like a why then you get into a how and then it's like okay figure this out and in that you get you you'll probably find some self-discovery because when you're pushed you might learn more about yourself as far as like your capabilities, your right. your interest, your pain, like your pain points. When you go through when you go through difficult times, it's like you know you can actually find pieces of yourself by understanding what you're not, right? Like, so if you have a job that you hate, that job's probably telling you quite a bit if you're willing to take time and process through it. So if you're not going to go see a therapist and you don't really want to do that, by just getting curious and understanding yourself and asking yourself a bit more questions about your situation how you operate, you know, you'll learn a lot. Right. Right. And, and I'm really glad that you kind of broke down that first wall um, in getting curious. Right. And, and I think um, what you mentioned was spot on, like when times get uncomfortable, it's mm. typically the time that, that we start, you know, wanting to move, right? Like we only turn on the AC when it gets too hot. We only turn on the heater when it's way too cold. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but if we stay in that middle zone, we can, you know, kind of wander <laughs> through life, through, through, through what it is that we're doing, uh, not really having intention behind it. Um, so, you know, with that, with that in mind, like, you know, I think readers of my blog and definitely the intention behind my blog is, is, is definitely focused on personal development. Um, what do you think after curiosity is most key to like making change um, when it comes to their psychology or, or just how it affects what's around psychology? Yeah. I mean, like if you get past the curiosity point where you're just asking questions, then comes like, it's like very practical. You just got to be self-aware. Like right. the nature of psychology, like psychology is a study of human behavior by looking at the mind. If you're aware of yourself, your reactions, your temperament, your emotions, your personality, your, your behavioral tendencies, if you're not able to, to, to lock into some of those, like, repeated behaviors that you have like you got no shot and the reality is is like it's unfortunate but you know we use language and language is super important because if you can name it and if you can talk about it or if you can describe it or you know if you can put it in a definition or a, a definitive box like this is what this is then you can manage it then you can shift it then you can change it but you have to be, at first be able to to lay that down and say no this this exists right whether it's overeating under eating working out like not enough maybe you're working out too much i don't know like it's usually impossible but right 
you know, if you want to change something, you have to actually catch and be aware of the behavior that you're hoping to change. So if, if you're, you know, in this spot where you're, you want change, but you don't even know what that is. It's like, well, good mm -hmm. luck. You know, you're just going to yeah. start pulling random levers. Like, you know, you can't, you're not doing nothing and you, you're not keeping track of anything. So it's, you're just bound to kind of just spin. I hear you. I hear you. Now, I'm huge on, on like clarity, right? Like, like you said, like if you can name it, if you can identify it to me, you know, I would like to think that maybe I'm a visual learner, mm -hmm. but just as much I'm a visual thinker. Mm. So like, I feel because I want to expand on this so much, I feel like so many people are stuck between that curiosity and self-awareness phase. And it's easy to bounce back and forth, right? You get curious, you get the self-awareness and maybe it's not the answer you want. And maybe the truth hurts a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you kind of ignorance yourself backwards back into cluelessness or, or maybe just getting a little curious again when you had the answer already. Um, what goes on like in a person's brain, um, when they're in that phase like what's happening here so that we can know it feel it and then maybe execute against that interesting so i i, I think we, we were planning i was potentially going to like save this i think for mm. later but it, it gets into some really interesting social psychology whereas like humans have or like when you look at the like the mind people have a, like two real basic needs and um a good way to say it is we have the need to be right and know that we are right and so what mm. that is when we say be right, it's like, oh, I'm an upstanding citizen. I'm, I'm, I'm in the right here. I'm doing good. And we have a, a, a really basic need to feel good about ourselves and to, to have a positive evaluation of who we are and understand that we feel as though we're good people. When we talk about that we, like, we are right, that means that we you know, are competent enough to make decisions and we feel that we can, we're, we're a bit in control. Like I have the necessary means mm. to make the decisions I need to, to navigate my life. And so in that case, when you're talking about like curiosity and self-awareness, somebody might get to that point where they're rationalizing and figuring, you know, certain aspects of themselves out. And mm. what's difficult is people might justify it because again, mm. we have such a desire to protect yes. that even that ego so instead of saying like oh it's not that i i don't work out you know i just I, I i'm just not as committed but it's like you go to the gym every two weeks it's like that is, that's not really you're you're not really doing anything but you're justifying it because you, you want to feel good about yourself and you're yes. more yeah. good about yourself than the actual behavior that you want to change and that becomes a problem where you know obviously your intentionality which might be pure is not sufficient to actually like live the life that you want to live and change the behavior you want to change. I hear you, man. Uh, that's so, that's so clear when you explain it that way. Um, I mean, if, if we could say that like justifying justifications are the symptom, if justification is on one end, what's like the far end of that? Like how far can that go when you really keep digesting and digesting the whole justify bug what what do you become what kind of person uh or, or how does that person show up all right i could i could probably go on a real big rabbit hole because <laughs> honestly like it goes forever like it's mm. what leads to like you can like i can justify and there's like the white lie justifications right oh i didn't want to hurt mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. 
hey, I didn't like this thing you're wearing. So I'm like, oh, that's nice. Like, Kayla, that's great. You know, and that's, that's a justification. I'm a kind person. So I'm not going to tell you that, you know, your haircut looks like shit, whatever, you know, whatever that is. But that justification process goes forever. Like it mm. gets you like real deep morality of like, can you justify murdering somebody? Can you justify racism? Mm. Because like, when you look at, if you talk to like, like there's, there's specific instances where it's like, you can talk to, to terrorists, to, you know, murderers, etc. They have a reason. They're, mm. they're, it's not illogical. It's not, when I say illogical, I don't mean like it's justified. I mean, to right. that sense, there is a right. lot of thought where this makes sense. And like the justification process can go in perpetuity and for me it's one of the big like that's one of the things i'm really passionate about is moral psychology because it's genuinely fascinating hmm. people will always find a way to do wrong people 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 will justify harm if they feel that they need to like it's like in this like everyone talks like you know dog eat dog kind of world and like it's scary because like yeah you're talking about you're gonna justify harm because you feel entitled to for whatever reason whether they they beat up your friends, so you're going to go beat them up or, you know, gang violence, you know, again, it even goes to racism where it's like, you know, I was, somebody could have, you know, been, uh, you know, harmed by a person of color. And all of a sudden they're like, they have a prejudice and a bias and to them, it's completely justified. They are, their survival mechanisms and then their brain kicked in and now they're justified to hate this whole ethnic group. And that's, that's how the mind works. Yeah. I hear you. I, I think in an, in an extreme case, I mean, it's been said before, but, and it's always controversial, but like Hitler, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> believe it or not, like this guy convinced a whole, like a ton of people <laughs> into believing one thing against one group of people. And they did it though. Like, mm -hmm. and, 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 and to all of the believers or whoever, uh, they believe they were doing right. And yeah. he somehow convinced them of it. And so it, it's like, you know, hey, there's great leaders. There, there's extreme leaders. He was among the great leaders, but he just chose to do something evil with it. But to your point, to him, to his followers, it was the right thing to do. Right. And that's crazy. Right. And like, even when you look at people who like get caught up in, in a moment and might even like kill somebody, it's like a lot of times they feel like they had to do that. Right. Like okay. that. And again, we have that motivation to to feel that we're good and upstanding people, which is really scary because it's like, you know, people will rationalize that. They feel like, you know, I'm sure the people in Nazi Germany were like, yeah, we have to do this for pride, for country, to to make sure we don't get pushed around, to make sure that our our economy stays stable. Always, always there's always yeah. a, always yeah. a very it is very scary, and it's it's something where I'm like, if you want to fight that just like you we have to combat that justification we have to right. kind of have to have a level of accountability where it's like hey you know we gotta lay it all out here because justification is looking at you know your actions through like a little keyhole and it's like for this reason i'm doing this and it might not be the best but that's what i'm gonna do it's like no no, no like let's lay the whole thing out here mm -hmm. like whether it is like very harmful behaviors or whether it is lying to yourself yeah. about you like you gotta be honest you have to yes. look not pick and choose i hear you so yeah if we could tie a rope around that justification and kind of bring it down back to like a micro level what's some extreme cases you've seen uh where somebody justifies inward uh, as opposed to outwards um like 
Uh, I mean, you touched on it a bit. Um, I'm somebody who's in shape, but the evidence shows you go to the gym once every two weeks. Uh, <laughs> uh, I deserve this cheat meal or um, I'm big boned or I'm just built like this. Um, how can somebody drop the justification muscle um, in order to, to, to do more, be more, be better? It's a hard question. I mean, I think what's most familiar is when you have people who might not have that emotional awareness and yes. that, that, that willingness to, to go deep and more or less like do the work. And it's, and it's not like a, a blame thing where it's like, you're just a bad person or you're a lazy person. Right, right. It's like, I, I think about like the older generation where it's like, no, like you were just told, don't think about your emotions, do what you're told and just get in line. And so what, what happens with that is you have people who just get pissed or, you know, they can't control themselves and it's just like, Oh, I'm just angry and I'm going to get pissed. I'm going to yell and I'm going to cuss somebody out or, mm. you know, I might even break something. And it's like, well, why are you doing that? And it's like, I told you, cause I'm pissed. And it's like, they're not, they're not there. They don't yes. yeah. to, to reflect. And that's honestly, again, when you look at justification, that's usually what it comes down to. You have to have a reflection moment. And I think for a lot of times it doesn't actually happen in a silo. It usually happens mm -hmm. from other people around you. Something typically happens where you, where you're kind of confronted with the reality that you just created, whether it is, you know, not going to the gym and overeating. It's like, oh, you're confronted when you go to try on those pants that fit for two years and all of a sudden they don't fit no more. It's like, that is a reflection moment. And now, now there's no denying it. Like it's right in front of you or, you know, you, but they shrunk in the wash, Marcus. Right. Yeah. See, and the, <laughs> the justification can continue. Sure. It's right. like, oh. And, and, but that, but that's true. That's it. And so like you, that, and that's, you hit it, man. Like you're either going to find a bigger justification or that reality is going to confront you. And you take that into consideration into your mind as well. And you understand that you need to make the change as well. And there is responsibility on your end. And whether it's, again, going to the gym, working out, whether it's understanding that you're damaging the relationships around you by the way you act, whatever, or uh, recognizing like, hey, like you might have a, a drug problem or a drinking problem. It's like, yeah. yeah, there's a reality that is like, oh shit, like there's consequences now. And even when you look at, um, you know, sometimes people with addictions and stuff, it's like, yeah, sometimes it has to get to that really dark place where you start losing, you lose people, whether your peers die from drugs or whether, you know, you lose relationships or you're, if you're living in your parents' house, you get locked out and they change locks. It's like you get confronted with that reality and hopefully that's what you need. But again, it's, it still goes either way. You can justify it more or hopefully you make the change. Right. Right. Man. Um, could you expand a little bit more on um, glass ceilings, uh, self-limiting, self-sabotage. Um, what holds people back on a psychological level? Because this is something that I'm like studying now. I mean, um, my mentor, my boss um, kind of put me onto certain books and said, mm -hmm. read them. And he said, dude, like, you know, one isn't enough. Keep reading about psychology. When you think you know about it, because uh, your own psychology, your own beliefs are, are like an onion. You peel mm -hmm. back one layer and you think it's fine. You peel back another layer and it's just rotten maggots and it's disgusting. And you're like, I thought I had this figured out. Um, so how does one psychology um, kind of affect them in their daily, in their chase of their goals uh, when it comes to self-limiting, glass ceiling, self-sabotage? Um, yeah, I mean, so, so when you look at psychology and, uh, like self-sabotage, 
what typically happens is, and when you have your self-concept, which is how you think about yourself, your personal evaluation now, like, you know, and, and the things that make you use, so whether it's your culture, where you live, hmm. how much money you have, all that kind of stuff like that, you know, who, who are you now? And then you have your ideal self where you want to be your future, like your futuristic hmm. person. I want this job, I want this much money. I want to be with these kind of people, whatever, whatever. And then that gap creates that tension, right? Of course, you have that chasm of where you are now, where you're going. And, you know, usually in a good spot, like that's the good tension where it's like, okay, you know, can you make that? Can you close that gap? And that's why it is important to, to not just, I don't want to say be realistic, but understand possibility. Because if you don't have a sense of possibility, like that's where you get into self-sabotage. That's where you get into, well, I can't reach it anyway. I'm going to quote unquote try, but more or less, you're basically putting obstacles in your own path to say that. So that way you can, again, protect that thing that says, oh, I'm good. I tried and I'm a good mm. person because I tried. But then you let you let the failure unfold. You almost push the failure to happen. Right. And that's right. where well, I tried. I can't get it. So, you know, you know, I, I'm just here now. Um, which I know you mentioned glass ceiling, which I don't know if you wanted to get into that because that gets into like more social issues. And I'm a big proponent. Mm. I'm actually, I'm a soci sociology minor too. So I'm big on like social issues as well. And because there's a, there's a bit of a mix because I'm all for empowering beliefs and yes. you know, pushing, pushing us, pushing yourself into progress. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, my, my personal stance is it's very cruel to tell somebody with a systemic disadvantage that they have because the reality is they don't Now, what you do with information is very different um because i still like obviously the best thing is to still go for it but yes to look at you know a black kid and a white kid a man and a woman and say like hey it's it's the same it's like it's not it's unfortunately in the society that we live in it's not and so again i would hope that people take on the challenge of continuing to to live in that tension and understand that it could still be possible but it's okay to be to be realistic as well and understand like you might have a few extra cards in the deck stacked against you and that's well i mean depending on your situation depending like on your how what oppression you might be facing that that might mm -hmm. hey but you know there is a possibility there and it, it's still attainable you know right right and and all i'll kind of dovetail on that um is that there there's you know a tom bill you um mm -hmm. saying that he kind of evaluates with every venture, with everything he's about to, you know, overtake. Um, no bullshit, what would it take? Mm -hmm. um, there's cards sacked against us. There's an uphill battle. Um, but no bullshit. Don't, bull don't bullshit yourself. What would it take? And if that's a lot for you and it's a less for somebody else, sucks. <laughs> but, but, but there's work to do if that's the goal that you want. And so I would love, I would absolutely love if you're watching this, if you're, if you're reading this, um, to reach out to Marcus and, and, and have that conversation, have him expand on you, uh, to you, uh, what that means and, 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 and to learn more and just be open-minded about that. Uh, I would love for that to happen. Um, but on the topic of, of kind of self-living, self-sabotage, I think it ties a lot in with um, what we talk about, um, kind of stories, right? The stories we tell ourselves, um, the habits, the, the repetitive natures that we've repeated as kids. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's a topic out there um, about reparenting, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of, hey, the things that happened to you, the setting that you were born into, all kind of form this story um, 
that you kind of repeat throughout your life, whether or not you think you cut that story off when you were 13 or eight or 18. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have this subconscious inside of us that, that keeps telling the stories. Um, and I think that on that point, um, that's where I'd kind of like to focus the whole uh, self-limiting, uh, self-sabotage um, focus. Mm. And how does somebody kind of, um, and like I said, I'm, I'm new to this. So this is just something I'm just super excited about. How can one get over uh, the stories that they tell themselves of I'm not worthy enough, or I come from this family and money is for somebody else, or everybody in my family is big, therefore I'm, I should be big, um, or nobody in my family, immediate family is successful, therefore I'm probably not out to be successful. Uh, yeah. How does one overcome that and get past that? I mean, I, I would, I, my first thing is be patient because it's, it's a long journey for sure. Because you have to think you weren't, you weren't parented in six months. Reparenting is not going to take six months. Like mm, mm, that's so powerful, man. And when you look at parenting in general, parenting is socialization. And so it's like socialization is literally your parents help shape your worldview. They give mm. you, they give you beliefs, they give you values. And even to some degree, you know, our personalities are have like a correlation to our DNA that they also give you. So like even how you operate to some degree, like there's, there's plenty of, you know, stressed out mothers influence the developmental impact of the baby's brain before they're born that that baby now has a hard time handling stress. um, So reparenting is exceptionally difficult for that reason uh, Mm -hmm. because it is like you said, and it's an identity change and to mm-hmm, change mm-hmm. time because an identity is not formed instantly. It's not. There's no. We'd like to think that there's some Superman, Batman, X Men moment where we something yes. happens, a Spider Man moment where something happens and we're changed and it's like, hey, I'm sorry to tell you, like we're we're fucking butterflies. Like that's mm-hmm. not how it works. Like it's gonna take time. Right. It's gonna take a lot more time. Um, but that change is possible um one of the biggest things uh, which when you look at parenting child relationships and those influences is attachment styles which is a really hot topic right mm. now and like the relationship style that you have with your parents is likely how you'll have a relationship style with friends and romantic partners and so yes like an example is like if you can re- if you felt like you could rely on your parents and that they were going to re- respond to your needs and your cries and whatever you know, you have no problem trusting your parents and you have no problem trusting people later in life that, you know, they're going to be there for you. And if they don't like you, it's okay. You know, you feel very secure. Whereas there's plenty of people who don't feel that way, whether, you know, their parents weren't around at all or whether it was just hit or miss. Um, a lot of people develop those relationship styles where they are unsure about, about relationships and, and their beliefs about love, their beliefs about friendship and relationships in general might reflect that of their family where it's you know oh i have to i have to be close to you because if i'm not close to you if i'm not in your mind if i'm not in front of you then you're gonna forget about me and those those type of beliefs obviously will like are going to influence your relationship once you have a partner um so changing them just takes deliberate time and effort but again it goes back to self-awareness it goes back to curiosity and it goes back to finding the language, diving into the psychology so that way you can make the change deliberately. And when you look at reparenting, a lot of times it looks like coming to terms with what your family didn't give you. Did they not give you security? Mm-hmm. Did, they give you security? Did they not give you certainty? 
fuck did they not give you food on the table like that's just real for some people and so a lot of times it's really hard because it looks like forgiveness i had my own moments with my family where i remember when i was about 19 years old i remember being confronted with needing to forgive my family for things and mm. it was really scary because it was like i'm holding on to like this this i don't know, call it like a child wound right i think that's kind yes. of this and I thought I, I was confronted with this reality where I'm like, now's the time I need to forgive them. And my heart is kind of like thinking like, if I forgive them, I'm never going to get what they owe me. And there's like an ultimatum right there where it's like my hmm. self, my childhood minds, like if I forgive them, everything that I, that I didn't get in my childhood is just gone. I have to be okay with that. And that's what forgiveness is, right? It's, it's letting go of the debt that other people owe you. And so a lot of times, you know, forgiveness is hard. Having empathy for people who hurt you, especially family members is hard. Um, but if you're going to reparent yourself, you know, you have to find that stability within yourself and not be reliant on the wounds to push you forward. That's so true. And, and man, that is incredibly powerful. And, and, and especially giving clarity on, Hey, it didn't take a month, two months to parent you. It's probably not going to take a month or two months to, to reparent yourself. And, um, man, on the topic of, of like forgiving your family, and I appreciate you being, you know, open and honest like that. Um, and I can only return it by, by, you know, being a little open myself. You know, I, I remember hitting a point, one distinct thought that I can remember, um, that I still don't know if I'm, I've dealt with it, but, um, it is, I remember when I first got into reading books about business, mm-hmm. um, and kind of personal development as a whole, my first book I ever read, like, <laughs> And that's probably ever. I mean, like, I didn't know what a book was in school. So um, so after school, uh, it's funny because my, my little nephews now, they kind of ask me, like, why do you read so much? I'm like, because I d- didn't read a thing in school. So so I'm like, I'm catching up on it. And, and it's a joke. But um, but um, I remember reading uh, books out of my dad's book collection. And they were he had a handful of uh, novels, but he had a bunch of business books and, and finance books and, and person development um and obviously they're from like the nineties and from Mm -hmm. the early two thousands. And I remember reading them at around 18 and I'm reading them thinking like, there is valuable information in here that is relevant now. Cause you know, you, Mm -hmm. you know, business books from like the eighties and it's like talking about like a printed newspaper and it's like, right. May not be a little relevant now, but, but these were things that was like, dude, like these are implementable here in this time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I had a moment and this could be little, could be big. I don't know, but I had the thought that like my dad had this information in the early nineties and, and, and by no means were we like well off, mm. but in my head, I was, I was, I felt, I don't want to blow it up, but the, the, the word that connects in my mind is I felt almost betrayed. Mm. I felt, I mean, that's just how it kind of showed up. Right. I wasn't like, Oh, you betrayed me. It was just, I felt like, man, like, there was so much valuable information in this book. Why wasn't it used to help us? And that's not that I'm owed anything. It just, it just is what it is. Right. Um, and, and you're right. Like that, if anything, that helped me right there. Like, Hey, you felt indebted, but forgiveness moving on, working through something is, right. Hey, let go of the debt that you feel you're owed. Like that's right. so powerful. Right. Yeah. That's so powerful. Even in your situation, right? Like if you're, if every time you, you talk, to your dad and you're you're expecting like hey like i need you to be mm. here in my life you're not spending that energy reading the books that you're reading you're not spending, so you know going out and getting that somewhere else 
with with honestly with and you have to, i think for me a big realization is like when you look at reparenting it's coming to terms that your parents didn't know what they were doing either mm. like that yeah. they were incapable and they I, at least for me in my i think in just in general i don't like i don't know many parents who apologize like i don't know many parents who are able to say hey that was wrong i'm sorry i i messed up there that's a very that's a very powerful thing for parents to do yeah. Yeah. don't see it on this power differential between parent and child and because of that you know we do have the situations where it's like yeah the kids are always wanting that wound to be healed through Damn, giving so that that we've always wanted when in reality it's like you gotta like they didn't know they, they didn't know and even like and we all know just because you know how to exercise doesn't mean you're going to just because you had a book doesn't mean you know how to do it like and that's just the reality is like there's plenty of variables about why our parents didn't do whatever it is that we didn't get but it's coming to like you're human just like me and like i think it's a i think that's a kind of like a coming of age thing right when yes. yeah. when you're a kid and you realize like your parents are on your same level and it's like yeah you're kind of fucked up too yeah. they, oh they lose the lackluster they lose the shine it's like oh yeah you got y'all got problems and it's yeah. and i'm actually I have a lot of empathy for you because yes. that was a hard situation, but yeah, you, you're, you're just as clueless as I am. That's so true. And, and, and you know, not to, uh, I guess, gaslight anybody who has parental issues and or traumas that they're dealing with and, and have all these things to blame of their parents. Not that those didn't mean a thing to you or not that they didn't happen, but what I repeat or what I would tell myself and somebody else is that, your parents tried their best. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that is across the board an earnest truth. Like they tried their best. If it wasn't to your standard or what you wanted your dad to be or wanted your mother to be or needed your parents to be, it was their best. So if it's not much, then that's, you know what I mean? You got to empathize with somebody who has just that to give. Yeah. And, you, I'll add on to that too, because I think there's so many times when it's like, e- even when I was in the midst of processing a lot of these things myself, when I finally got to have that conversation with my parents and they're like, yeah, we tried our best. Like mm-hmm. I was still angry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're like, and it's hard to tell somebody you care about you that their best wasn't enough, but that's mm-hmm. just yeah. back to the matter at some points, whether it is a partner or a parent or anybody in your family. I think like if I was talking to my younger self, like beyond like, them being imperfect because that's extremely true and does help empathize i would say hey you're not going to get anything asking somebody for something that they don't have themselves like mm. selfish if if they don't have it for you and you need it you're not doing yourself any favors by just yes. expect it from people who are incapable of giving it to you like man to me i'm like that's what moving on is is understanding that your needs are just as important just yes. as just as worth being filled go get them filled somewhere else as whatever that looks like man that's so powerful what do you think what do you think keeps somebody from holding on to that thing to hold like from I mean, we, we can name different things right like staying at the job you hate um holding on to a toxic ex or 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 just somebody who you're having a hard time facing denial uh, what keeps somebody holding on to that secure, you know, in their mind, secure thing, something that they know um, versus like 
you know, it's crazy because everybody on the outside looking in will tell you there's this vast, colorful, you know, valley out there. But to you, it just feels like a dark room and like the light is literally like at your toes and you can't see anything in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, what would you give somebody uh, to say like, hey, like step into the dark, even if it's an inch at a time, just step into the dark. What would you tell somebody uh, that would make that a little more of an easier feeling to do? I would say it's not so much of stepping into the dark because people don't like ambiguity. And that's just, again, mm. logical fact that is like just consistent within the human mind is when people don't know what to expect when people are presented with something new, if they're being harmed right now in the familiar, sometimes that feels better than going out into a safe place in the unknown because the unknown isn't a safe place. And so it almost invalidates it. And so whether you're afraid to switch jobs, you're afraid to, to get over an ex, it's like, it's because you, you can't fathom uh, a okay. future that can pull you out of it. And so we stay hmm. where we're stuck because it's predictable, because it's normal, because we understand what we can get, even if what we're getting sucks. Uh, so we stay and we hmm. make these little deals with ourselves and with our emotions that, you know, if I just suck it up, maybe it'll pay off that justification thing. If I, if I, you know, if, if they cheat, it's like, it's not that they don't love me, you mm. know, okay. Because at least, at least I, at least I still have them. Our minds will begin finding a reason to stay. And so for me, when I talk to people, it's not so much of like, Hey, step into the unknown. It's, Hey, are you really doing good where you're at? Cause obviously the answer mm. And if yeah. that, no, then what do you have to lose? Then move. Yes. Yeah. When you like, what are you holding on to? Exactly. Chances are it's not much, right? Yeah. And when you realize it's so little and you can literally probably fall into something of equal value or more, then yeah. that transition becomes a lot easier. Then it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting yelled at by a dickhead boss making minimum wage. There's a lot of minimum wage jobs out there where you might have a mean boss, not a dickhead boss. Like, <laughs> Jobs like it's not a big yeah. deal, you know. Yeah. It, that's where it's like, hey, again, self awareness, understanding what you're not getting met, understand the needs that you have, understand why the situation's hurting you, and then take account: is 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 there a reality that you can get this met somewhere else? Very likely. Very let it, likely. Let it go and make a plan. Clarity okay. is helpful in that instance because it's like, cool, you need a job change, but you're living paycheck to paycheck. What do you need? Can you, well, I need, I need food, I need shelter. Can you move in with your family? Can you sleep on a couch for a month? Like, give yourself a month and say like, hey, I got one month to find a new job. I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna stay on this couch for a month. Cause you know what the reality is? Typically that shitty circumstance we're trying to get away from will probably be there when we get back. Like mm -hmm. if you quit, you can always get that shitty job again with that dickhead boss because he's ready to take advantage of you. You can always go back to that ex because they're probably gonna use you again. So you know what, like figure out what you need, make a plan. And then un when you understand that it's worth the jump, take it. And then reality is if you fail, like the shitty circumstances still going to be there. So like you lost nothing. Dude, that's so powerful, man. I think people really needed to hear that as far as like, it's, it's funny because it's usually the simple steps that are, that are the hardest to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, we can go to another topic of like, you know, people want things to be complicated in a way, right? I think that's just in our natural nature. I don't know why. Um, 
But to kind of rewind just a little bit, um, when it comes to taking like your life to the next level, I think that that addiction to the comfortable, to what's now, to not wanting to let go, kind of holds people back to the next level. And one thing I've, I've always said, or I mean, I've heard it when I was like maybe 12 years old, and, and it's always stuck with me as like a, just a question in the back of my head. Um, people talk about fear of failure, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but there is definitely, definitely fear of success. Um, and whether that's attached to like the fear of the work that's going to require or kind of what we're talking about, like it's not a step into the dark, but it's probably better than they've had. So if you ever notice somebody who's lost a bunch of weight and they're like just about to hit, maybe they set a goal of, I want to see six abs and not just four. And right when they get to the fifth and a half one, they just, they, 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 they get complacent or what, what have you, what is it in our nature that then makes us get super close um, get this feeling and then bring us back. And, and there's tons of examples out there, right? Like maybe you have, maybe you're trying to save for something or, or just save in general. And you hit this monetary goal and your mind tells you now it's time for new golf clubs. And now it's time to get a nice car because I'm probably yep. making more than I ever have. Right. What is yep. that in our mind um, that I think ties back to what we were talking about earlier, which was, which was self-limiting. Like you're yep. holding yourself back from, from getting to that next level. Yeah. So, I took a, a health psychology class and we, we got into the topic, of course, of weight loss and working out and all these kind of things. And we talked about when you have somebody who's motivated by shame, their motivation is tied into this inadequacy and this, this inferiority. And so like using weight loss as an example or working out as an example, that person might, you know, work out consistently and change their diet and see some progress. But what's really interesting is because you're motivated by shame, as soon as you see results, that shame goes away a little bit because you're seeing results. And if you're, but if shame is in your, is like the gas in your gas tank, when shame goes away, you're not going to try hard anymore. You Dude. quote unquote made it. And so it's like, and then you wonder like, why can't I get back to the gym? You've been motivated by inferiority and now you're settling for mediocrity. Like, Dude. and that's obviously an issue where it's like, you won't, you can't go from, you know, you can't really go from like this, from extremely like crazy bad habits and lifestyle to some gym rat six pack, unless again, you have shame throughout that whole process. And even when you get to that point, right, it's like, you can have a six pack and have body dysmorphia. Like you can you can really have a very like depressed and anxious mind and have a fit body. And, and this, you see the same thing with finances, right? Like, again, if you're motivated by shame, you reach some success, you reach some savings, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't have shame anymore. Splurge, 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 splurge. Like credit card, yes. credit card, credit card. Or the, or the inverse where it's like you're just consistently motivated by shame and you got fucking, you know, maybe you got 100K in the bank and you're just like, I have nothing. And then you get on that rat race of like, I need more and I need more because shame, shame, shame is never going to be satisfied. Um, and so for me, my advice for anyone is like, Hey, when you're making changes, like recognize that if you make a deal with shame, that shit's forever. Like it's not going to go away. Mm. And shame is a bit of a dirty liar where it says like, if you have this, or if you do this, you know, you will feel better or you feel more, but the, the it's like a, you know, the devil's devil deal with the devil where it's like, yeah, but then you have to keep doing it to not feel that. And so Dude. then 
that's forever. And then you have to keep that performative lifestyle forever. And as soon as you stop, well, yeah. then you're again. And Dude, that's, that is so powerful. And, and I can see the imagery. And what I play in my mind is, is like, if you're, like you said, if your fuel is shame, what happens when you run out of shame? Uh, you typically run out of shame when you start growing, when you start achieving, when you start getting into this better lifestyle, you start doing better for yourself. You become more of a provider, um, more of a man, more of a whatever it is, whatever you're aimed at, no more shame. So what does your mind say? I probably got to go back to the shame gas station and refuel on shame. Mm-hmm. And it's bam, 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 trickle down into self-sabotage um, mm-hmm. all to get more shame. So what should somebody's fuel be uh, to not run out of shame? Uh, don't start with shame. Uh, as a good start is recognize that if you want to make lasting change, as cheesy and as corny as it sounds, you gotta, you're not going to do it without kindness and compassion and empathy for yourself. Yes. For yourself. And yes. again, oh, man. And we can stay on this, you know, whole, you know, I think I, th- I love the gym examples because it's very relevant and it works in a lot of different facets. Right. And mm-hmm. so, sure, if you want to lose weight, you know, don't don't start with shame. Don't start with like you're a fat ass. You don't deserve that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like start with the reality that eating healthy is fucking expensive. Buying fresh mm-hmm. protein, expensive. Have compassion for yourself and understand this is a challenge, which means when you have a salad every day, that's a huge change. You replaced one third of your entire diet with produce. That's amazing. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't like it's a reward. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, you don't even need to work out. That's a huge win. Don't work out. That is your win. You can actually, and then when you actually have that win, celebrate. Mm-hmm. With, if a friend told me that they replaced one third of their diet with produce, I'm like, holy shit, dude, like that's fucking amazing. You know, especially if you do it for three months, you know what I mean? Like, Cheer yourself on like you would cheer a friend. Give yeah. your support and, you know, grow that process slowly. I think I think it falls under definitely. I mean, there's so many different avenues we can go down. Um, I know one of them is definitely like the language, right? Um, if you're telling yourself and even if you sound like it, right? And this is a funny thing. Like, we, how common is it? Like, oh, I'm having a salad for lunch. It's like, dude, that is the reward. Like, you're doing awesome. So, so like that kind of thing should be encouraged. And, and it's, it's crazy because you and I are maybe sounding like we're talking about external validation, but no, this is like internal validation. Mm-hmm. You should be kind to yourself. You should be happy for yourself. You should be proud for yourself. You should be patting yourself on the back saying I did a good thing. And um, uh, something that I got a, a, a huge response from uh, was a story I posted just the other day. Um, and it said, uh, stop limiting how many good things you can do for yourself. Yeah. And, and it's like, dude, like, I mean, Hey, anything I say, anything I put out, it's cause I'm working out on myself. Uh, and I get it. Like, dude, like there's good things you can do. Why limit it? Why, why make it sound like it's something bad? Like it's so harsh when in reality, dude, like just keep doing good things for yourself. Like, you know? Yo. I'm <sighs> sure what happened. I think my Wi-Fi dropped out. Mm. Happens. It happens. It could have been mine. Who knows? Right. Um, hey, but while you were gone, uh, kind of wrapped up on the topic. Um, but I, in, I asked somebody to, to, to drop a question uh, for mm-hmm. you to answer when you come back. Um, and I see one here. 
how to stop seeking outer validation uh, in specific from coworkers? Um, I'm going to give a bit of counterintuitive advice. Don't do that. That's not a good idea. Um, not because I'm assuming by the way, this question is asked that someone feels a level of codependency where they're potentially over reliant on, on people. That, that's when people say like, you know, how do I stop seeking outside validation? That's typically what it means. But the reality is you're never going to get fully insulated where you don't need other people's opinions anymore. That's just like, I don't care. Like it's extremely rare because when you look at the human mind, we're people and we are made to be in relationship with other people. And we even know ourselves about who we are because of other people. We like, I won't get into the, I can rant on this. I won't get into it fully, but I'm like, you can like, we don't know who we are unless we're in relationship with other people. And when you look at like solitary confinement, mm. like they literally have existential crisis where they doubt if they're actually living because they're alone. Ooh. So like we, people, we need people to understand who we are because by seeing other people, we understand who we're not. So if you're, I would say seeking outside validation, it's necessarily a bad thing. I understand why people think it's a bad thing, but it's typically maybe it's not so much a validation thing. It's probably what is a boundary thing where mm. people are speaking to your value or your worth. You know, if you, if you, if you, um, I would say if this is an issue in your life where someone potentially feels maybe a little more codependent, I'm like, my advice is understand like who's important to you in this case at work. Who is important to you? Who, mm, yes. Whose voice actually does matter? I would imagine it's one of them is probably your boss. If you're on a team, probably your team leader or mm -hmm, a partner mm -hmm. directly with. Those voices do matter because those voices, like if turned against you, can hinder your performance, you know, promotions, yes. whatever. Important. Like you don't want to drown those voices out, but then understand where those voices need to stop. Like, hey, mm. you the guy in the accounting department who doesn't like that I, you know, who doesn't like these extra $10 I spend a month on a project, like, like he doesn't really matter because it's already been approved and no one really cares, right? Like that's not, so taking an inventory of like, hey, is this person, uh, like, do they have a, a direct outcome on my life? And do I value that, like their say in my life? Yeah. Like personally, as far as, um, you know, again, like, are they going to influence me in a way where they're going to contribute to my success or my downfall? And the reality is, is like, once you get outside of the people again on your team or the people above you or the people who are reporting to you, you know, the rest don't really matter. I hear you. Marcus, could I drop a little, my, my two cents on the outer validation part? Yeah, of course. Your podcast. Gentlemen, uh, <laughs> I believe it is. Could, could I drop my two cents on outer validation? I hope so. Um, I have a story attached and, and this is one that was told to me, um, just in conversation, but, um, my coworker, um, I won't say her name, but, but, um, she spoke about, um, her achievement in work, her hard work, um, at work for work, um, was all everything that she would do. She would bring it to her mom, mom. I did this for work. And, and the, the boss loved it and, and it went great and, and it produced this result. And her mom would go, I'm so proud of you. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, you're amazing. You're great. And, and, and that continued on. Uh, right now she's been at the company for a handful of years. Um, and she said early on that that was like her drive that, hey, like I love doing something great. 
and then telling my mom about it um, because she would get love, she would get admiration, she would get whatever it is she's looking for and whatever makes her feel good. Um, but, you know, train, the, the, the car hit the brakes and uh, unfortunately her mom passed away. And she said the biggest thing that she was missing was the fact that she could talk to her mom and say, mom, I did this at work. Mom, I did this. Mom, uh, I produced this. Mom, the boss said this about me. Um, and she said when she wasn't able to get that, that was what hit her the hardest. Mm -hmm. And she said she eventually had to stop. Uh, well, I mean, it was taken from her, but she had to learn how to get validation, not from her mom, not yep. from the love, from herself. Yep. And now she said that that switch that she flipped was that she takes pride in whatever she does for mm -hmm. herself. She does things that she is proud of and she doesn't need anybody else yeah. to give a fuck, to tell right. her that she's great, to tell her that she's awesome, to right. tell her that she's loved, uh, that she's worthy. She doesn't need that anymore. Um, and whether that is through harsh circumstance and it gets taken away from you or you mm -hmm. decide on yourself, uh, do things for yourself. Yeah. Do things that'll make you proud. Do things that are up to your standards and you'll stop seeking outer validation. You'll get it from yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I've, if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on that. Cause like, that's, that's a good point, right? Like what you're, what, what she recognized is she had a need for validation. It's not wrong, but again, how are you going to get that met? And so mm. again, in that instance, you know, understanding like, Oh, I, I, I can actually give that to myself. And it's even beyond that where it's like, if you work in a company and you have a need and it's not getting met, like we think that for some, whatever reason, we might be the problem. My coworkers, might think bad of me whatever whatever the reality is, is like companies have values and that company that you're with might not be able to meet that need maybe you're a social person and you actually love being responsive and a team player but you're in an environment like a sales environment or some dog eat dog kind of like individualistic reward kind of you know promotion structure where it's the individual wins out that mm. just might be a conflicting need where your value doesn't line up with the company you just have a, it's not that you actually have your you have a uh, a validation that's or a need that's bad maybe you just have a different value from the company and you need a new job and so that's where like you know that's where like with psychology i kind of love it because like there's always variables there's always it's it's not always clear cut it's not to say like you might feel again that you need validation and you don't like it but it might not be that clear that might just be the story you've told yourself but there might be there might be other things going on um which I don't know if you, are you, are we going to answer the questions by the way? Cause I'm like, I, there's a question. Yeah, dude, no, we're, we're getting, we're getting jobs. Some, so, so we might as well take this time. Okay. Um, uh, Gerbs RP. Uh, I have a hard time saying no, because I don't want to disappoint anyone. Where does that stem from? Oh, well, that's, uh, we would definitely need to sit down and probably talk for a few hours. Cause I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like if you, Loaded question. If, yeah, I mean, again, the reality is like we have needs to feel competent. We have needs to feel that we're good people. Like, so nobody wants to feel like they their disappointment. Like, and I think that's the thing when we when we hear about all these issues of like shame and inferiority, it's like, oh, I struggle with this. It's like you're human. So does everyone. All mm -hmm. fucking disappoint people. If my boss tells me I didn't do a good job tomorrow, I'll be fucking hurt. Like that's gonna suck. Yeah. Like. And we think that, and that's where it's like these. When we have these emotions, like we think that it's only us. It's not. So, like, I, I don't, I'm sorry if that doesn't help, but like, hey, like you're human. Again, like, 
you're going to have human needs. And again, and then it's just figuring out how you can get them met healthily, which again, I'm like, mm -hmm. men will talk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of times um, you feel as though uh, your job is to fill, fulfill other people's needs and mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe a simple ask uh, to them right. is packaged as a huge giant ask out of you. Right. And, um, you know, I think, either as you get older or as you work through certain expectations of yourself, we talk about needs, um, you start to realize like a need that you don't need is to fulfill other people's expectations or um, whatever box they want to put you in. And so, you know, saying no uh, ends up just becoming, I value my time over my time that I would commit to you. Um, and whether that's towards your family, whether that's with your kids, uh, your spouse, yeah. Um, hey, my time with my spouse uh, just so happens to be worth more than than your time allowing or your time asking me to do something for you. I apologize, but that's just how it is. Totally. Um, and boundaries. That's bound right. boundaries. Like, yes. I'll even jump to the next question because it's kind of related. Because somebody somebody asked like, how do I how do I make sure I'm not driven by shame by understanding mm. if any decision that you make or any commitment that you're making or anything that you're giving is under the pretense that you are less valuable if you don't do this. So even in your mm -hmm. example, like somebody asks you something and it's like, no, I have a commitment to my partner or my family member. And somebody's asking me, Hey, I'm your friend or I'm your coworker. I need a favor. Shame says, if you're a good coworker, if you're a good friend, you will do that. No, like that, that pretense of inferiority based on what you do not do is shame. Because there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is I did something or I didn't do something. Shame is I am somebody. I am a mm. Shame yeah, is so And so it's like if you don't want, if you want like a good rule of thumb, any sort of thought process that says, you know, hey, I need to do this in order to be a good person or I need to, to feel like a good person, that's probably shame. And so like that's probably like a no-go choose your values there choose what your like the values you're protecting there yeah yeah um if i could add some two cents i think like um we keep going back to these things that we can kind of plug and play in and it's for a reason right these aren't just cliches that that we're trying to make fit uh they just fit um mm -hmm. i think one thing is, is language um what kinds of questions can we ask ourselves to recognize whether something we are doing is shame driven it's a great question um and i think you got to monitor your language. And I mean, you know, this, like, you know, what is it? 95% of our thinking of the things we repeat to ourselves are subconscious. And um, of that 95%, 80% of it day to day is repeated. So you got to ask yourself where it's repeated so much that you don't even realize you're, you're, you're saying it or you're asking it of yourself. And that's where you kind of got to make the subconscious conscious. And that's a hard thing to do. It's not simple by any, by any means. Um, but ask yourself, am I saying eat this salad because you're a fat fuck? <laughs> Are you saying uh, go to the gym because you look like shit when really you're 120 pounds and smoking hot? Um, ask yourself, do you really need bigger biceps because you are this? Do you really need to miss out and, and, and save the, the nice dinner with your boyfriend um, because you're broke? You know, ask yourself those ask yourself those questions and what driving factor it is and the language that constructs that statement. Um, if it has anything to do with, like you said, uh, a lack of who you are or what person you you become by not doing it or doing it, it's probably shame driven. Yeah, yeah, fully. So uh, here we go, Marcus. Let me tee this up for you. My friend 
acts a different way, toxic with me, while with his other friends and family, he is the best person ever and look up to him. That's just an interesting point. <laughs> it's, it's not really a question, but if we were to form a question, um, I'm assuming it's how do I treat him? How do I think of him? Uh, you know, if I could start off, uh, Marcus, I think uh, what you're feeling, this internal thing you're feeling is a need to change him or a need to uh, expose him. And that's either a feeling you need to let go or uh, address it head on. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts, Marcus? I mean, if someone, if someone switches their behavior in oh. like, I would say like alarming ways, like there is a word for that. It's called impression, impression management. So it's like when you meet somebody new and you want them to think about it a certain way, you very much present a self that you want them to see. It's called like you want to give them a good impression. And so you mm. give the face that you want. And so if someone's change, if someone's changing how they treat you in certain environments, it's like, I, again, like if, if you're, if you're emotionally superhuman, don't take it personally. You probably will. Cause that's how humans are. And it's not going to feel good, but you know, potentially if you can set your, like, you know, be upset, you know, have that moment, validate yourself, of course, as always, if you can, and you want to like boss that shit, like set your emotions aside for a sec and then ask yes. them, Hey, like you seem to act different in best case scenario, give examples and then understand, and then ask like, Hey, is there something going on? Are you, are you trying to, I think me, if you say, are you trying to meet a need? That's kind of potentially a bit invasive. So like, even yeah, just yeah. casually be like, Hey, like, you know, what, what were you hoping for? Like, what are you, what are you hoping to do that situation? Cause I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah normal i don't feel like that's normally you like what's going on and just get yeah. curious and then that gives them space to say like oh yeah like with my family like you know they always fucking ride my ass so like i feel like i have to be more alpha to to prove mm -hmm. my oh well you know what my family's a dick i can res i can respect that so you know what next time we go i'll just i'll just talk you up for an hour you know what i mean like in just yeah. bigger I, I see a follow-up comment um, that says, I think it's just kind of reworded, but my friend is toxic with me, same person, by the way, um, mm -hmm. but is a very good person to other friends and family. Why is he acting this way towards me? I feel like no one knows this side of him, only me. So I think, again, th this relates to significance of the friendship. Like, you know, this person must be very special, or I think you want them to be more than a friend, possibly. Um, but I think it's just, I don't know. Marcus, what, what would you like advise uh, or, or I don't know, how, how should she tackle this? Um, if you got, a, if you have a friend who is acting harmful towards you, but you can see more pros, like more positive behaviors of other people, like they might be, oh, I hate to use, it. I don't, I don't use this word in like a clinical sense. I use it in just, you know, the, the everyday kind of language. They might just be targeting you. They recognize mm. that you do not have proper boundaries and they might be using you to like tear you down to make themselves feel better. Which by the way, like social like tearing somebody down, like that is psychologically proven to make validation. Your, your own self-esteem go higher. So yes. like yeah. Like if someone's tearing you down, it's because they need to feel that sense of superiority. That's a that's a psychological fact. That's how self-esteem so, so if someone's treating you badly and it's all and you and you're pretty like you're just taking note that it's only you like they probably honestly just feel like they can and so like either yeah. the friendship or some boundaries might be in play i think i think it's not that your needs are not being met i think if anything you are meeting their needs 
They have a need to feel significant. They have a need to feel powerful, to be in their emotional home of anger. Uh, 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 they can talk a certain way. They can say things that they can let out and be open and honest um, and not be polite or, or yep. um, considerate. Um, and you feel that need by being that person for them. Right. Yeah. Like even finishing that off, because that's a really fucking good point. Like, are you setting the standard that respect is is mandatory? Like, yeah. It needs, like this needs to happen because if you're not, then yeah, they might just feel like they can get away with it and do what they want. I hear you. Man, <laughs> this is amazingly valuable. And I appreciate you guys commenting questions and asking Marcus um, to kind of expand on his expertise it really gives marcus an opportunity to show off a little bit because he is a smart smart intelligent dude um but to kind of close this out um you know i believe identity is really the key to like long-lasting change uh, would you agree, agree disagree uh, and what can you tell someone looking to make lasting change uh, behind their beliefs and their identity um yes yes you're not wrong identity is incredibly powerful um so I would imagine if you're reading a ton, of, a ton of books, you've probably picked up Atomic Habits. I will yep. totally give my psych undergrad sign off that that book is extremely scientifically backed and is extremely well written. And in that book, it's very true. I took a motivation class and like, I'm like, shit, he explained it very well. There is the identity action motivation like loop. Yes. You know, yes. like, and honestly, it doesn't actually need to start with identity but identity becomes into play um, because identity is a major sustainer of habits and behavioral change. And so, you know, it looks like, you know, trying something, being consistent with it, forming an identity, and then the identity creating the motivation and the motivation having the habit. And then just, it keeps going on and on and on. So like an example, just to break it down, is like, you know, being a writer doesn't mean, it just means that you write frequently. And so having the identity as a writer, because you write 15 minutes a day, it's like, yeah, I'm a writer. And the identity will push you to keep writing. And then you might write more a day and more and more. And then, yeah, you know, if you write every day for an hour, I guarantee you're going to be a damn good writer. But so many times we measure ourselves by like, oh, I'm not a writer because I'm not published. No one cares. Like, honestly, it's not about these external measures. Like if we can understand that the, like how we measure ourselves is internal, not external, and how we form that identity is our own, you know, our own doing, you know, yes. we form those identities a lot easier, but a lot of times it doesn't work that way. We think, you know, I have to, I have to write a book to be a writer. I have to, you know, make, I have to be, I have to fucking hit like a million likes on TikTok to show I got some like video editing skills, you know, whatever it is. You know, we think that we have to hit this this external milestone when in reality, it's like, no, we are our own measuring sticks because yes. we're measuring ourselves based on our own happiness. So it's yes. like, if writing makes you happy, write. Like, don't, don't, don't look for validation. Don't look for likes. Don't look for any of that shit because it's just going to undermine the motivation and the identity. Yes. Just do it for you. And then when you do it consistently enough for your own pleasure, yeah, I write every day. Oh, yeah, fuck. I've, wrote, I've written every day for six months. I think I'm a writer now. You are. Yeah. You, yeah. And like a little cheat code to that it to yourself. is don't, you can use the internal motivation and that's great. But if you want to cheat code, put yourself in the environment where people have those same beliefs and values as you, because then it makes the action and that behavior and that identity so much more powerful. It's, yes. it's, it's fucking why 
Peloton and Equinox kick ass. It's because it's not just about the bikes and the gyms. It's about a community with the same beliefs who the brand has helped people form an identity. I am mm. some Peloton, which usually means I have three G's of disposable income. So like, you know, but, but, but I'm also fit as the brand more or less. And so it's like, cool. Now let me find know. out that you're a expert marketer, Marcus, and we'll go down another rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it someday. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's not my own possibility, but we'll, I'd let, love to hear your progress on that. <laughs> but identity is formed by consistency and by the formation of belief. So if you want to hack, do it, do it by yourself, do the internal thing for your own satisfaction and then get with people who value the same thing. And then you'll be a group of people that push each other for that thing. Identity will soar and keep you motivated. That is next, that is next level right there. And I think it, it's, it's just so important um, to kind of at least see what it's like and hear an example of the other side, um, which is uh, when you put identity too early, um, and how you can literally make yourself feel uh, subconsciously, I don't belong here. Uh, holy crap, uh, yeah, I, I got this promotion and I'm a manager, but I've never really been a manager. So I don't mm -hmm. know if I could do this right. And you will somehow trickle yourself down, sizzle things down to where, hey, I'm, I'm not worthy. Um, I should probably do this. And you will fuck yourself up and, and fuck yourself up into getting fired or yep. getting demoted, something. Um, that I think it happens a lot in, in these new ventures or, or when you're trying to chase a trade or, or a career like real estate. Um, and if you come out the gate saying, uh, I'm a real estate agent, I do real estate. Um, and you tell everybody uh, that identity inside is not formed yet through action, through habits, through beliefs. And you will somehow find a way to not be worthy of passing that test of, of passing out your business card. And ultimately it'll fail, but you'll, the craziest thing is you won't know why. Right. And, and you'll just be sitting there wondering what the hell happened. How did this, how am I back to where I started? Right. Uh, and I just think it's super valuable that, that, that as Marcus gave you the upside to look at, Hey, there's a downside to, to, to try and run away from. Um, but man, Marcus, this has been super valuable. I, I've really had a great time. I know that you've given uh, the watchers, uh, my eventual readers, a ton, a ton, a ton of value. And so I thank you for that. Like I really appreciate your time and insight. Um, and I hope we can do this again. This has really been a good time. And, and any other closing remarks before we close this out? Um, no, dude, thank you. Thank you for having me. I know I got a decent amount of engagement. So if anyone wants to hit me up, please do. My please. DM is open. I try to respond to everyone in a decently timely manner. Um, but yeah, man, dude, super appreciate it. Like, this was fun. Hopefully we can do it again. Likewise. I mean, you know, you have people here that I'm sure are followers of yourself. And, and hey, um, if that means you want to reach out to me at any point, uh, cool. My DMs are open. Um, I have a website that you can check out um, that I post to pretty often. Um, you're a great page to follow, Marcus. So, so guys, follow Marcus's page if that. And um, be sure to look out for the next live. Be sure to look out for this post when it goes up. And, um, yeah, Marcus, you know, people know where to find you. Um, I had a great time. I hope you had a great time as well. This has been super valuable again. Thank you. And until next time, guys, um, we are cutting out. Marcus, thank you again. Bye, guys. Bye, man. What's up, podcast? Thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate the time uh, you guys took to enjoy and hopefully get a lot out of this. Um, definitely give me feedback. I want to know 
you know, what kind of topics, you know, what kind of conversations, you know, things you might not even like about the podcast. I, I live and thrive off of your guys' feedback. So um, if you have any suggestions, please let me know. Hit me up on my social channels. Uh, you likely know where to find me if you're listening to this. Um, and I hope to talk to you soon. See ya.